0: And we're live Hello and welcome to the Friendship News Hour Presented to you by Bummer Dude Media Today is March the 15th The Ides of March, don't you know uh, My name is Frank, his name is Alex uh, Your Coldplay shirt has inspired me Thank you To play
1: my favorite Family Guy clip Oh, I thought you were going 40-year-old virgin I was going to say, hold on, Frank, slow down
0: Just like I got kicked out of Coldplay Guys, guys, I got an idea How about we do a song that's not whiny bullcrap
1: And that's Coldplay Mmm God, that couldn't, that, that couldn't be farther from the truth. That is Coldplay. That couldn't be farther from the truth. I really dislike them. <laughs> you need to see them live, man. they are It's the best live show I've, I've ever seen. I've been to a plethora of concerts in my tenure on this earth, and they've all been fantastic. So you need to go, and I, I feel like it'll at least, Yeah, I'm not saying you'll be like crazy about them, but I think it'll change your opinion of them.
0: Or you pay for my ticket.
1: Glad I, <laughs> I honestly I gladly would. I will. I promise. Because <laughs> honestly, every time I've seen it, my mom's paid for the ticket. So I, I owe Coldplay oh, really? some of my own money.
0: I am not good company at a live concert. I don't I
1: disagree with that. I, I can't see that. Being I just true. am
0: not I do not I d I don't I don't particularly enjoy like especially for like big acts like Coldplay. Yeah. I don't get into that.
1: If it's a very small
0: venue and I can like be for up sure. front and bounce around and have a really good time I'm there, but if I'm like in the lawn of a Coldplay show at an amphitheater, nah. that
1: yeah, they don't do amphitheaters though. It's like stadiums, and like I, I've already talked about this before, but yeah. like you get wristbands, and the whole literally the entire crowd is lighting up to the music, and it it's just like a whole experience thing. Even if you don't like their music, you'll be like amazed by the production of the show. But I feel you on the smaller venues for sure. Like that that int- I like yes. those more intimate music experiences more. in, in most cases, this would be the it, literally the one exception to that rule.
0: Yeah, like if you're gonna go see a band I think it's worth it to get, to pay the extra 100, 150 bucks and get up front in the pit where you're not in a seat. Like, I never understood having a seat for a concert. That just like, to me, was, is an oxymoron in and of itself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel you. I feel you.
0: I went I went one time to, uh, I'm not going to be able to remember the name. It was 2009. It was a metal fest mm-hmm. and it came through San Bernardino and there was the main stage and there was a bunch of other little stages around and we saw a bunch of different bands. But Slayer was one of the main Slayer. acts. And we're in the amphitheater. The, it's the Glen Helen Amphitheater in San Bernardino. And we're in like the rows of the seats and Slayer's playing. <laughs> and we're just like, at yeah, Slayer. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, it was fun. We had a good time. But I was like, what the fuck is this? Was <laughs> I was shocked one day when I went to a Weezer concert in Irvine. Bass players from Toledo? Oh, I did not know that. Original, not anymore. A panic at the Disco was opening for Weezer. We get there and I'm with a friend. And she has a blanket and the security was like, Hey, you can't bring that in. Mm. And we were like, it's cold, dude. (laughs) We're on the lawn. (laughs) Like, why can't we bring in a blanket? He goes, Oh, it's a fire risk. And I'm like, it's a Weezer show. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, sorry, I can't bring it in. It's like, all right, fuck whatever. So we get up there having a good time. Panics there, plays a good show. Their singer's amazing by the way. Oh yeah. Incredible, incredible. And then Weezer gets on and wouldn't you know it? The very first song, there is a legitimate fire, bonfire in the mall no for way. Weezer. People they t- have taken
1: off their shirts and lit them on fire. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Like, it says Weezer. That's hilarious. See, the fact that you yeah, say you're bad funny. concert company like surprises me because you're such good sporting event company. So, <sighs> yeah, and they seem oh like man. really similar in things, you know, like I've gone and got blackout drunk like with the, you many more times than I'd like to even say on here at events like that. Namely the San Jose Sharks game that we harassed entire families. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> not my finest No, moment. me either. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: it might not have been. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's different, it's different with a sporting event because a sporting event is like, is like it's live, but it's also unscripted, unless you're the NFL. Ah. But, I don't know, a concert's just a concert, you know? I don't, I don't know, know, but you're there. Know. I've you're, never you're... really been able to enjoy a concert, especially, especially Especially a hip-hop concert.
1: But you enjoy adult beverages and marijuana, as do I. You get to do those both there, usually, and you're listening to music. I mean, yes, I'll I'll give you, like, hip-hop concerts are sometimes really big misses because, like, the artists can't actually do what they did in the studio live, and a lot of time it's, like, them rapping over, like, a a track. I've also seen many rappers that I was, like, blown away by live with how— true to the recordings they actually were and like able to reproduce that's to me always a sign of a really good artist genre you know take genre aside from this because i've seen bands that were fucking terrible live circus survive was one i love circus survive my entire life i did i've even heard great things mm-hmm. about them live back in the day i went and saw circus survive live like two years ago and was like dumbfounded at how shitty they were like terrible it like really? killed the band for me yeah but it's also interesting 40-some-year-old guys trying to sing shit that they sung in their late teens, early 20s, you know, and probably playing a lot of the same songs for 20 years or whatever. So I could see how that would happen, but I don't know. So um, I think, I think I, you know, maybe you know, as, we're, as
0: we're talking through this, <laughs> I'm starting to, to kind of piece these things together. <laughs> I didn't really go to concerts. And then I'm like 16, 15, 16-ish. My cousin comes down from Pennsylvania. Uh-huh big metalhead plays guitar, very good guitar player. And he asked me if I want to go see a concert. And I was like, yeah, sure. And so we go to see, it's like a punk band, kind of, not really, I can't remember their name. Is was at the House of Blues. Brand new, Green Day. I, I can't, they're pretty popular, but I, I can't remember their okay. name. I didn't know them at the time. I wasn't, I, I really didn't know about them. And then he was like, hey, there's a band, a couple bands playing tomorrow at Soma. And if you're from San Diego, you know Soma. An old movie theater turned into concert venue. Sick. So think of like a think of like a small movie theater, and that's a concert venue. Okay? okay. And he says we're gonna go see Suicide Silence and Carnifex, and I've never heard of these bands. I don't fuck know yeah, what this like is. Great and I, I walk in, dude. I walk into the meat grinder, <laughs> and I'm terrified. I'm 16 years old. I don't know this music. Yeah. People are in the middle, just swinging their arms and fists, and I'm like, what the fuck is this, dude? What did you bring me to? But. I got hooked yeah, and I started going all the time to SOMA and seeing these shows. And it was so much fun, mm-hmm. dude, because the community was awesome. It was violent, but it wasn't, it wasn't malicious, right? People weren't out there to go and like fuck you up, but they
1: were out there to have like a really raucous good We time. talked about that when Travis Scott and all that shit happened, that death and the Yeah, it, right. It is. Exactly. It's true though. Exactly. At metal shows, there's, there's like there. a chaos That's like an organized chaos, you know what I'm saying? And if like someone goes down, like people are usually there to try to help them. I I have seen some wall of deaths at like Lamb of God concerts and shit that aren't, they don't quite fit that bill, but on the whole, I'd say that's an accurate thing.
0: But but I think that ruined concerts for me because that to me was the best, you know, I, 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 in high school, it's really big fan of uh, this band called Stick to Your Guns. Yeah. Oh yeah. They came to San Diego. I seen them a, a bunch of times, but they, they came to San Diego. I saw them for the first time. and It was like a transcendental experience mm-hmm. because I was right there. Mm-hmm. They were singing these songs I knew and loved. You know, these are the songs I would listen to while I was like getting pumped up for a football game. You know what I'm saying? And now that like I'm a little older, I, I don't, I don't particularly frequent in that kind of concert anymore. And I'm not saying, like, I wouldn't go to a concert. Like, I'd love to go see the Chili Peppers. Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't go see the Chili Peppers and not pay, like, 250 bucks to go up front and see.
1: I feel you. So nothing about the idea of, like, being part of, like, a huge vibe <laughs> for, like, that. lack of a... I hate that. You know, nope, like, hate man, that. I, there's something no about that experience. Like, it's truly one of my favorite things to go to a concert and, like, be just part of, like all this positive energy because obviously everyone there is like there for that band. Most of them like the band. There's just something to like so much positive attitude in one space and just like love where I feel like in such like a crazy world these days, like that's so... Few and far between. So it's like when I get those opportunities, dude, I jump to go to almost as many live shows as I can within reason. Like I, mm-hmm. I love live music. So people right did not tune in here today though to hear us talk about live music and our thoughts on it, I don't think. <laughs> it's too bad. <laughs> Got fifty more <laughs> minutes for you guys, so Stay tuned. Uh,
0: interesting little tidbit. Mm. March 15th, Ides of March. Great movie, by the way. Have you seen that movie? That's about uh, Julius Caesar getting stabbed? Yeah. I've never seen that. Wait, is like a newer movie? I, well, I the movie so. is, has nothing to do with that. Oh, no. But the Ides of March is commemorating the day that Julius Caesar was stabbed
1: by his center. Nice um friends.
0: Ides of March is a movie with George Clooney and um, Pretty Boy. Brad Pitt. Matt Damon. No, uh, crazy Stupid Love with... with um, Bradley Cooper. The Notebook. Oh,
1: Ryan Gosling. That's all you had to say. Thank you. International sex symbol.
0: Uh, Ryan Gosling, George Clooney, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And it's all about politics. And uh, George Clooney's trying to get elected president. And I forget, Ryan Gosling is some, I think, chief of staff or something. He's he's working on his campaign, campaign manager or something like that. It's a really good movie. I'm not going to give away the plot. Yeah, yeah. But that's interesting. That sounds like a strong cast. Excellent movie. Check it out. But also, Today in History, Lyndon B. Johnson. President in 1965, addresses a joint session of Congress to urge the passage of of legislation guaranteeing voting rights for all. 1965 is not that long ago. So at the time, it was constitutional law that everybody have a right to vote. Man, woman, black, white, whatever. But as everyone knows, there was uh, plenty of barriers to entry, uh, particularly in the South, for black folks to go and vote. It was eight days after the the Selma riots in Selma, Alabama. So Linda B. Johnson, not particularly popular at the time, gave a gave a speech to Congress, urging to pass the passage of legislation guaranteeing voting rights for all. I thought it was interesting because really that that is not very long ago at all mm-hmm. that a president had to get up and give a speech to persuade voting rights for everybody. I don't know. Thought it was an interesting little tidbit. Yeah, for sure.
1: I, man, the the Julius Caesar story is is pretty wild too. Man, his whole like I I didn't realize how much we knew. About that actual day, like to the point we know like his exact actions of what he did. And even like apparently his wife like had a dream about him dying like the night before and warned him. Mm. Uh, And he like had some clue, some hints that something was going down at this and still said, fuck it, I'm going to go. It's like Jesus. Kind of almost went off to his own death, like knowingly, but very like divisive man, like the more I've looked into him, I think there's like a new show coming. That's kind of what like triggered my interest into, to reading into it. But oh yeah, really interesting man. Like people loved or hated him. Kind of, I don't know if like a Trump of his time is like an accurate thing to say, but just a really interesting guy. And I I just love Roman and Greece history and all that stuff. So cool stuff to look into.
0: I I thought this um, was particularly interesting about Lyndon Johnson's speech about putting rights and a a little juxtaposition about what's going on today. Mm with voting rights sort of. Does the name Douglas Mackey mean anything to you? No, it does not. Douglas Mackey has been has been charged with election interference and was arrested by the FBI mere days after President Biden took office. Except he wasn't charged with election interference for the 2020 election. He was arrested for election interference in the 2016 election. Douglas Mackey is better known as Ricky Vaughn, or that was his Twitter handle. And in 2016, he had more influence on the election than like anybody. People are saying he had more, more, more influence than NBC News or Stephen Colbert or Newt Gingrich or anybody. And all he would do was post memes. And they were obviously satire, right? And the one meme that he was arrested for was a meme that, incent, I, I, that asked people to vote for Hillary Clinton by... Texting a phone number. <laughs> no. So he, he put up this meme, and it basically was like, text this number to vote for Hillary Clinton. And he's being charged under this law, this 18 U.S.C. section 241. And it's otherwise known as the KKK law. And it was passed way back in the day to stop, to make it illegal for KKK members to inflict violence on Black Americans and intimidate them not to vote. Okay. And they're using the same law to charge this gentleman with election interference proposing a satire meet. Which means the, the government is now in the business of deciding what is a lie and what is satire. And this particular law, we'll go on a little tangent here, it it's not limited to elections, but to anybody who conspires to derive someone of their rights. This means, under that interpretation, if you shared like statistics of a trans of trans surgery regret or COVID statistics, or climate change statistics, and law enforcement decided that you lied or knowingly spread false information in, in order to deprive some of their rights, you could be charged under this same law, the way they're charging this guy, Douglas Mackin, And he's on trial now for posting this meme. According to the Department of Justice, 4,900 unique telephone numbers texted the number that he posted in the meme. So their their argument is about 5,000 Americans lost their their right to vote because you duped them into, into wow. text, texting a number to vote. In my opinion, that's a very good litmus test. This I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> but, but but you know, okay, uh, uh, fair play. I'll, I'll hear what you have to say. Here's where it gets a little tricky. Oh my God. Buzzfeed ran a story on November second before the election that featured the meme Douglas Mackey posted. Mm. Okay, Forbes picked up the Buzzfeed story and they ran that say, uh, 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 a story linking to BuzzFeed's original reporting, okay? In October 2016 alone, BuzzFeed attracted 7 point, 4 million readers in one month. After BuzzFeed broke the story, Forbes picked it up and they boasted 2 billion monthly impressions and 500 million monthly video views in 2018. They ran their own feature on November 2nd with screenshots and informations on how to text the number that Mackie shared. So like we've been saying about you know the FBI's involvement in literally every case that we talk about on the show, yeah. what would make it... So that BuzzFeed or Forbes or anybody who picked up the story and ran with it, what makes them any less culpable than this gentleman who posted it in the in, in, in the beginning? Yeah, exactly. And then this story, the story that 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 came out links to a video of an Asian woman who's very obviously liberal. And then on November eighth, twenty sixteen, she's posing as a Trump supporter and she says to text in your vote on. Wednesday, the day after the election, and we're not hearing anything about this woman being arrested. Mm. So in short, the Biden Department of Justice is railroading this guy for posting memes, and he's on trial right now for breaking federal law. And it's an incredible story that obviously is not being picked up by anybody. But I just thought it was super interesting that we... You know, 1965, not too long ago. What is that? 50, 60 years ago? Yeah. Is that 60 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> 60-ish years ago, we're fighting for the rights for everybody to vote. And in 2023, we're arresting civilians for posting satire memes on
1: elections.
0: <clears throat> <clears throat> and it seems like we've come full circle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. Wild stuff. Dude, I got wild, wild so stuff. much shit today. I know you probably got a lot of news as well, but I had some really yeah, interesting stories. First of all, I was just going to put the conspiracy I had on for a second, and we can take it off shortly thereafter. Don't know if it's as much conspiracy theory anymore, though, because Pentagon officials came out last week in a report, and they suggested that an alien mothership could be in our solar system that would be uh, <laughs> sending mini probes to Earth. And this isn't just like some weird dude in his room sitting there writing this shit or some whatever blogger. This is people straight from the Pentagon. Sean Kirkpatrick, who is the director of the Pentagon, Pentagon's All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, and Abraham Loeb, who's the chairman of Harvard University's astronomy department, they both released this paper that they've been working on together on March 7th. It focused on like the physical constraints of unidentified aerial phenomena. But one thing that they point to a lot, this is something that a lot of people have talked to for a while, is this, this craft that is referred to as a muamua, which in Hawaiian, I guess means scout. And they're saying it's like a, a huge unidentified interstellar object that we picked up in 2017 on, one of, on some of our like advanced, more advanced uh, telescopes within our solar system. And it's like cigar shaped. It appears flat, but it was able to, they saw this, this object, they observed this object propel away from the sun without showing any kind of cometary tail, which makes it, you know, it's artificial. It's somehow it's being propulsed moved throughout this space and now it's just kind of sitting out there this Oumuamua so and and with all these recent sightings of of you know spy balloons and so many more I feel like I'm hearing about a new UFO sighting like every single day lately no like significant proof more and more I feel like we're just getting smaller and smaller little breadcrumbs that are like preparing us for something and like this stuff's all coming from top government agencies depending on you know, I, th- I think it was the was the FBI or CIA that like declassified all of that UFO information we had. It's it's just I think they're getting us ready for something, Frank. I really really do. I hope so. <laughs> I really do hope so. Tucker Carlson was on um Full Send podcast. Did you hear about his his story? Yeah, dude. It was it was he was that was a really good interview, man. I di- I didn't get to watch the whole thing, but I watched like like a I think like a 10 5 10 minute clip on TikTok that was like I actually like Tucker Carlson. Like I see him on the news and I'm like Fox News whatever, but just like as a dude, he was kind of like, well-spoken, and it was a good interview. Did you hear what he said about UFOs? Yeah, that, that was one of the things that kind of led me to find this, this information, but w- w- what are you referring to? You know what? Here, I'll play it. Yeah, get us some Tucker. Get us some Tucker. Pretty crazy stuff, man. My opinion, dude, and I know we hear people talk about the New World Order all the time, and I think, like, our perspective of what that is, granted, the conspiracy hat's still on everybody, but I honestly think that, like, the idea of a New World Order isn't going to be, like, our elites here on Earth trying to do a one world government, like that kind of thing. I honestly think the idea would be that that new world order would be like a alien run thing where they're like, y'all need to get in line. You guys are very close to all blowing yourselves up and killing each other with nuclear weapons, yada, yada, yada. We need to refocus. You are one race. These are our rules now, and that would be my guess, because I I feel like back in, like, Egyptian times, Mayan times, with all these pyramids and all this stuff that we were seeing happening everywhere, like, they were under some kind of communication between all of them, or people always say, like, using the pyramids for a power grid for these other things, so it's like, my idea of a one-world government is the aliens coming back and, like, saying, okay, we need to, like, rein this shit in, or we're gonna have to, like, wipe all you motherfuckers out. So, and I, I, man, this is just the breadcrumbs and breadcrumbs just keep leading me there. And as I say it, I feel crazy, but I like, I honestly do believe that, dude. It's a
0: hell of a thing to believe. Um, I think out of just sheer ignorance or, you know, will to live, I I disagree with you, but I have nothing to I have nothing to say that you're wrong. You can still I, live
1: I, in this scenario. You just got to fall in line with like their basic tenets of whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah,
0: I'm not good at falling in line now. That's, that's not like my strong suit. Yeah. But anyway, this, this is... Uh, Back to Tucker. Yeah, this is, this is Tucker Carlson talking about UFOs. We got a call from this guy who's a tenured Stanford medical school professor. He comes on and he's like, 11 years ago, the US government reached out to me because I'm an expert on head injuries, on brain injuries, traumatic brain injuries. And they had all these court cases from families of US servicemen, over 100, who'd been killed by UFOs. The Department of Defense was refusing to give them death benefits or medical benefits. And he's like, so they were in the courts. And I was like, there are over 100 servicemen killed by UFOs? Like, what? He's like, yeah, and there are court cases about it. I'm like, why isn't this on the front page of the New York Times? I don't know. And in a number of cases, these things have landed on military bases, including famously in Germany, West Germany in the 70s. And servicemen have approached them and they approach and they get traumatic brain injury or they're killed. And he studied their brains.
1: No reason to think he's lying about that. Right. That's a, it's, a, it's an incredibly detailed story. And dude, so like I'm going through doing research for all my shit today and I, I'm finding articles, reliable articles and all this stuff. And if you just go on Pentagon officials mothership if you type that into google right now the very first thing it says is it looks like the results below are changing quickly check the source come back later it's the same shit that they show when you're looking at covid mm. shit before bro and it's just like yeah. what what are they doing what and all all the sites the very first one's fox news so like that makes you think like oh this is just some weird you know just like if you see CNN first you kind of jump to it and then it's all just these these fringe fringe websites and Twitter and TikTok no credible website to which i had seen articles from most of them earlier this weekend they're all stripped off of here so it's like what what's going on what are we hiding what's going on i don't know man i don't i just don't trust it i don't trust them no more like we've been keep on talking i don't trust this this government and and what's going on? It's there's more shit below the surface that I feel like is starting to rise.
0: Yeah, it, it would seem as the the veil of secrecy is slowly coming off. Yeah. more and more people have access to more information than we'd ever be able to disseminate ever. Mm-hmm. If you're a government entity or, or you're you know some sort of organization that's trying to keep things hidden. That becomes infinitely harder and, 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 and I think it makes sense because I think your only defense in that is just to sow confusion or to gaslight yeah. like yeah you, what you're saying is not true at all. One thing that we are saying that is incredibly true is that our monetary policy in this United States mm. is wreaking havoc yeah and I'm sure you know that I'm talking about uh, the, the the bank failures that have been, that have gone on of the past week Scary to shit. what extent do you know what has happened?
1: I looked into it in great detail this weekend, this morning, uh, into the oh, Silicon did. Valley bank collapse. Yeah, dude, it's, it's frightening when you look at our crazy. bank system. Yeah, it's, it's wild.
0: So if you don't know, I'll try to explain it briefly and concisely. Um, I want you to imagine that you are a, uh, the owner of a bank and you're a small regional bank you're not a Bank of America or a Chase. You don't exist in every city in, in, in America or you know, throughout the world. You're a regional bank and you have a, a very specific niche. And that niche is that you lend money or you harbor money to and from startup companies, particularly in tech. Okay? And the reason that you exist is because other larger banks don't have the capability to do what you do. A Bank of America is not going to go lend or take money from a startup company who needs 10 million 15 million 50 million dollars right um, but you know what the startup landscape looks like so you as the bank over bank owner in, in Silicon Valley Bank or the bank of startups know what to do and so you open up this bank and things things are going really well right tech is booming uh, startups are rising and falling but there's a ton of success stories and and, and you as a bank are doing quite well lending to tech startups and things are humming along quite nicely, and then the pandemic happens. And then all of a sudden, between when the pandemic starts and two years later, the deposits in your bank triple, and they go from a manageable amount to a ungodly amount of deposits. Now, you might be hearing this, and be like, well, that's great news for a bank owner. Well, not really, because the deposits that you've now gotten are liabilities, right? People's money that gets put into a bank has a cost associated with it. Administrative costs to keep the thing going. There's interest rates that the bank pays you to deposit your money into their account, into their bank. So that money needs to be made up somehow. There's bankers that need to be paid. There's the cost of running a business and and, and the liability is your money. So now you have to take this money and you have to do something with it. And if you're a bank owner, you have tools that you can take these liabilities and turn them into assets. And normally that tool is a loan. People come to you, they need a loan, you give them money, and that money is taken from deposits that people have brought into your bank, except from 2008, 2009 to 2021, interest rates were at near zero, meaning people don't need your money. They don't need loans. Plus the economy from 2019 to 2021 was flushed with so much cash, it's absolutely ridiculous. So people don't need loans. So you have all of this money, that you need to do something with. And the only option that these banks thought was viable was to put them in bonds and treasuries. And the problem with that, the big problem with that, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but the big problem with that is that all of this is reliant on interest rates, which at the time, when you put this money into these treasuries, interest rates were really low. So you bought them at very low interest rates, and then your customers were also creatures of interest rates. Because as long as money is next to free, then your, your customers, tech startups, they're fine. They can get funding wherever. It's like basically a 13-year holiday on the real world for these tech startups. And we've seen what happened, right? Uber and Postmates and whatever tech startup you want to think of, that Chewy. Yeah, all these things just exploded because they had the ability to, because the risk was next to zero. Interest rates start to go up in 2022, because inflation is sky high. And once these interest rates go up, your customers no longer have the ability to borrow for free. And so when they interest rates go up, they need to start taking out cash. And so they gradually start taking out cash, and they gradually start taking out cash, and then you are like, ooh, shoot. Um, all of our cash that they need is now tied into these securities that uh, won't be realized for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so- Now you're forced to sell these securities at a significant loss just so that you can provide cash to the customers that need it because they've put that money into your bank account. And that's what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. Their customers got wise to the fact that they were having to sell their securities, 10-year bond, whatever, you know, however many years that, that they purchased securities for, they were having to sell these at a significant loss, which means that's really bad business for the bank. And if that's really bad business for the bank, then who knows how long my cash is secure in the bank because the FDIC, the federal deposits, the federal deposit, do you know what the FDIC stands for? Federal nope. deposits, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. They will insure your deposit in any bank up to $250,000. But if you're dealing with tech startups, those deposits are like $50 million, right? So the FDIC doesn't really matter in that in, 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 in that case. So then As these customers begin to get wise, they go to the bank and they say, I need my money now because I don't know what this looks like for you. Other customers start to get wise and then you have a run on the bank, which happened last Friday. And then you see lines going around the corner, Silicon Valley Bank, people are trying to get their money out and they fail because they're not liquid enough to get everybody their cash back. And when that happens, you fail. Now in the real world, that would mean that you as the depositor of that bank, you also lose your money because that bank failed and you decided to put your money in a bank that failed. And that sucks, but it's what happens. Mm-hmm. Except we live in a fantasy world out where the government can step in and they can say you, to the depositor, will get all of your money back. And you're thinking, well, how the hell did that happen? And we're told it's not taxpayer money that's going to do that, but like, where the fuck does it come from?
1: Apparently, there's a fund that all the banks in our in the entire country pay into for something like this. But like. Those have got to be limited funds to a point if this shit keeps happening. Like, that's going to run out. So, all
0: the other banks now are going to be responsible for paying back the depositors of Silicon Valley Bank and now Signature Bank.
1: Well, that's how everything works, though. I mean, think about welfare. That's literally the welfare system. You know, we all pay into that and that benefits all those other people when they need it. You know, it's, it's the same thing. Just Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I suppose. It's dumb. <laughs> not, I'm it's not, really uh, dumb. Yeah. It's like a it, house it, of cards it, for everyone's money.
0: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And like, like now money isn't really real because there's no, okay. So I guess there are consequences because, so like the bank has failed and, the bank is not getting bailed out. Uh, investors in the bank aren't getting their money back. Everyone's lost their jobs. You know, the, 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 it, it's like any other organization that is that's gone under. They they
1: they cease to exist. I will note the government offered every employee forty five days of compensation, so kind of like a severance package, severance. basically. But and then yeah. also, I just want to throw this out because I saw all this conspiracy. There's a thing going around that like right before FDIC took over, uh, every single uh, employee in the company got a bonus. Which is true. Yes. That did happen, but that yes. is a scheduled bonus second week of March every year. That's like a proven thing. i so that as well. It just did sync up time wise. That it that it uh you know looks kind of fishy, but that that was it's all above board.
0: Yeah, cor- you're correct. Now, w- what what is interesting is that the FDIC has come in and and they they now have taken control of this bank. And I th- the the thought process it's it would seem is that we're going to guarantee that your deposits in this bank regardless of how shitty that they are are, guar- are 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 now guaranteed so as to not cause panic within the general public that the next bank that fails they're not going to get their money and then everybody runs to the bank and starts pulling out cash and that would be a catastrophic yeah event yeah it would be the, i mean it would be like black monday times a million but now it sends the message that it doesn't matter how much money you deposit into a bank cuz now you're going to get picked up by the federal government. Mm. So doesn't that just create another atmosphere where people can act in a in a completely irresponsible manner, knowing that they're going to get bailed out with their, from their deposits by the federal government? It mm-hmm. sends, To me, it sounds absolutely wrong. That's true. true. Yeah. But in any case, uh, so Silicon Valley Bank failed on Friday. Uh, Monday, Signature Bank also failed pretty much through the same avenues of Silicon Valley Bank. And this all of this whole entire thing is b- brought upon by the Federal Reserve and interest rates. And for the longest time, we talked about on this show when we very first started recording episodes that inflation was sky high and the Biden administration refused for the longest time to, to admit that inflation was a problem. It refused, 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 refused. And then all of a sudden they couldn't refuse anymore. So then they started to jack up interest rates in a big, big way because they saw inflation just completely going by the wayside. And here's the thing that nobody's going to tell you, but is the truest thing in the world. The only way to curb inflation is for everybody to hurt, right? Jobs report came out last week and it was a good jobs report, but a good jobs report is bad news for everybody because... Until that jobs report starts to show that people are not being, or companies are not hiring, cash flow is not good, and inflation is quote unquote curbed, interest rates are going to continue to rise. And the point of that is that all of us feel the pain and we do. Go to the grocery store. was the last time you bought anything at the grocery store and you're like, yeah, that's a fair price. (laughs) No, it's fucking incredibly expensive. And it's going to continue to get more expensive until we start to see that people are in debt deep, deep pain, and then once they're in deep, deep pain, the Fed's going to be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, now, what? We, we've solved inflation. Then you're going to get events like this, where people are creatures of 13 years or so of pretty much free money. Money was free for everybody, and that's never happened in the history of anything, anywhere, at any time. So I'm afraid that this is just the beginning yeah. of a big, massive shitstorm for the American economy and particularly uh, our financial
1: institutions. I've seen a lot of people suggesting to buy gold. Is that like, would you say like oh, yes. the safest thing for gold and silver?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a physical asset, right. Um, it doesn't lose its value over time because it is a precious metal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, gold is a, and it's always always has been a, a pretty pretty solid investment strategy. I'm not telling you what to do with your money. All, you know, bonds used to be a pretty solid investment strategy the 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 relationship between bonds and interest rates is is inverse so it, they do fluctuate with the rise and fall of interest rates but they're guaranteed by the government right so that's always been a relatively solid investment strategy unless that is all of the liquidity that you will eventually owe your customers when they demand
1: it. So the difference between putting my money into like Chase Bank and I, you know, I'm sitting on my money, I can look at it as compared to if all my money's in investments, like if like this crisis happens and people can't access their money, like stock market's going to plummet, right? So then all your investments would be fucked as well, right? Like either way, it doesn't really matter where your money would be between those two sectors or, or do you see an advantage to one over the other? if like something like this happened. Does, does that make sense?
0: <laughs> yeah, I know it makes sense. I mean, it's, it's a it's a terribly difficult question to answer because it, it just all depends. You have to be smart about it. You ha- you have to like look at what, you know, in this atmosphere right now, when you're seeing interest rates go sky high and you don't know what, like for example, if you invested, if you listened to Jim Cramer in January when he was like Silicon Valley Bank is one of the top five best investments of 2023 and you just blindly listened to Jim Cramer, uh, then you'd be up Schitt's Creek right now. Because- you didn't look into the fact that they had put all of these, ma- they had gotten a massive influx of deposits over the past three years. Mm. And what they did with those deposits might mean, might spell disaster as interest rates rise. So if you're not going to do the deep, deep homework that you should to invest in something like stocks, then I think what you're doing is you're just kind of asking for for pain. So for me, I think the most sound investment strategy you could possibly do is to, you know, like dollar cost average, the S and P 500, something that is historically always gone up. There's always dips, but it's always gone up. So over the course of 10 years, your money, you know, not guaranteed, but like more or less guaranteed to go up. Mm -hmm. What what that means is like, you're not going to strike it rich through, through stocks. Hopefully you come, you get to a point where you have a decent amount of a, of a nest egg where you can find somebody who's, does do the homework for a living, and then you could trust your money with them, and they can invest it for you in a, in a in a responsible manner. And those people do exist, but just having it sit in the bank, I mean, it, it's just cash, right? And and cash isn't the funny money, green dollar bills that you can touch and see. Cash just means I can the value of what I have can be spent instantly. So cash is represented in our in our in society today by dollar bills or you know electronic money in your bank account that you. Swipe your card with mm. that's cash so if you're if you just have cash it's losing value every day because the dot the the value of a dollar is lessened more or less over time every day so if you just have it sitting there in a bank and it's paying you a half percent that's not doing much for you I think the most conservative investing strategies are probably always the best in the long run you're not going to strike it rich but you know there will be you know a CD if you can find a CD that pays you two and a half percent like if you wanted to if you wanted to earn ten percent of uh, uh, year over year on your money, that's like an incredibly hard thing to do. And I think people, especially over the past 13 years or so, the, the market is always going to go up if money is free, right? There's always going to be investment. So that means it's always going to be an upward trajectory. As soon as the Fed starts to tamper down on that and, 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 and put interest rates uh, or, or start raising interest rates, that means that now people have to be competent. They can't just be reckless. They have to actually know what they're doing. And it's very hard to figure out who knows what they're doing and who doesn't, right? You would think somebody like Silicon Valley Bank would know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. They have failed. It's very difficult. It's very, very difficult to do. Over the long run, a conservative strategy is probably your best bet at not losing money and then gradually gaining it over time. Get a good nest egg, find somebody who knows what they're doing with money. And even then there's no guarantee, but you know, for more or less, you could find somebody who, who has a good strategy. And I mean, I don't know, man, it's, it's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard to say, what you should do with your money, because anything can happen. Yeah, right.
1: Like aliens coming and putting us into a new world order, and it all means nothing. Yeah. So, so, and then what is your <laughs> cash worth? It's worth fuck all. <laughs> what else you got for me today, brother man?
0: Um. Okay. So there was some interesting stuff happening at Stanford. Did you see? Did you see what, what happened at Stanford University? I don't think so. Okay. So the Federalist Society at Stanford Law School invited a judge, Kyle Duncan, for the Fifth Circuit uh, Appellate Court to talk. And the students just completely berated this guy. And I'll show you a quick
1: video. <laughs> <laughs> I am an associate yeah, dean yeah. and
0: I'd love to answer your question. Can she, I? You? Yeah, answer this room, because you're asked to answer the room as well. Her, is that okay? You know, my associate dean went by not side. And we're going to find the you. are. wow, this is not your board. you You ask for an administrator. She's an administrator.
1: You just ask for an administrator in here. You want to the chamber You want someone here. No, because you're
0: something yeah. is that okay? is that okay so you've invited me to speak here and I'm being heckled nonstop and I'm just asking for the minister to some that's right. <laughs> <laughs> your racism i right. right. you you if you want the mother's idea what you want it I, take can it I, but like, do you want an echo chamber? What's the issue? Can I help? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I have a third remarks. And I not want letting, you to be able to be Okay, so th- these are our our future uh, attorneys and prosecutors and judges. At Stanford Law School, this judge was invited and the students at Stanford Law School took exception to this judge being at their campus and decided to protest him. And they came into the classroom that he was going to speak at and they shouted him down. We couldn't get a word in edgewise. He literally wasn't able to give his remarks. And so he asked for an administrator. And as you can see there, this administrator comes in and I won't play the whole video, but for like seven minutes, she just stands up on a soapbox and tells this guy how he's been, you know, he's harmful and everything that he does is harmful. And she says like seven times, I want you to speak, but, and then it you just know, goes on and on and on. And what on was he on
1: there on to on speak on about on. in the first place?
0: Okay. So he was there to speak about like, I think like Twitter and guns and something. I forget the actual speech, but what they were, uh, the, the exception that they took to this guy was that he refused to use the pronouns of a transgender person in an opinion he wrote in 2020. Now, this person who I think today goes by Catherine Nicole Jett in 2012 they were known as Norman Keith Varner in 2012 Norman Keith Varner pled guilty to one count of attempted receipt of child pornography and was sentenced to 100, 180 months in prison followed by fifteen years of supervised release so these students at Yale Law or at, at Stanford Law School went to bat for a pedophile because this judge used the name of the person that they were in 2012 in a 2020 opinion and refused to use the pronouns. And he actually he actually was like like really good about the way that he he did it. He he created this whole chart of like what this person could the pronouns could change to and if he referred to them by their pronouns of 2020 uh, 2020 based off of a case in 2012 then they could go by any number of pronouns and it and it would just absolutely demolish justice system because it would confuse everybody as to who did what and when and how they did it. Mm. And he has this whole chart of like five different, uh, uh, here, I'll show it to you right here. It's like five different like columns of pronouns that somebody could use. So in his opinion, when when people were asking why he refused to use the pronouns, he showed this chart and he said, this person could in theory take any one of these pronouns and choose to be referred to them by them at this point. So if I brought an p- opinion in 2020 for something that they did in 2012, and they changed their pronoun in 2020, and then another opinion is written by the, for the same case in 2025, and now they're a different pronoun, any one of these pronouns could be used in the same court case, confusing the entire justice system. So like, I'm not going to do it. This is who they were when they, when they committed the crime and they were uh, convicted. So that's what I'm going to use. So that makes sense. Children. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, right. It, Pretty, it's rational, but yeah. you're not dealing with rational creatures here. <laughs> and so these children, like, I mean, they're children. These are absolute children. You heard one of them. Your racism is showing. It, when this administrator began to speak to the class, she kept referring to them as advocates. They're going to get out of this college and they're going to be advocates. Uh, I thought we were teaching them law. Uh, anyway, there is uh, some precedence for, for this. Last year, opinion piece in the Washington Post was penned by Irwin. Chemerinsky, Chemerinsky, who's the Dean of Berkeley law and Howard Gilman, chancellor of the university of California, Irvine. They're co-chairs of the national advisory board of the university of California national center for free speech and civic engagement. And they wrote this opinion piece like a breath of fresh air. They referred to two events that happened in 2022. One of them was at the Yale, uh, the Yale law school, the Yale federalist society, the same society at, uh, Stanford, that invited this guy to speak, held a panel that featured Monica Miller of the Progressive American Humanist Association and Kristen Wagoner of the Alliance Defending Freedom, ADF, a conservative nonprofit. The students protested and disrupted the event, in this case, over the ADF's consistent opposition to protection of rights of LGBT individuals. I don't know exactly what that means. On March 1st of 2022, the Federalist Society chapter at the University of California Hastings College of Law, attempted to hold an event titled The Battle Over Justice Breyer's Seat. The program included Ilya Shapiro, a a constitutional scholar who was placed on leave at Georgetown Law after posting offensive tweets in January 2022 about President Biden uh, being likely to appoint a lesser black woman to the Supreme Court. We covered that story because, because Biden pretty much said, I am only going to put a black woman on the Supreme Court to fill Justice Breyer's seat. And so this guy, Ilya Shapiro said, well, all he's done is hamstrung himself because he could be choosing a lesser black woman over somebody who's more qualified to be in the seat. That was his tweet. He lost his job at Georgetown for that. And when he went to go speak at the college of Hastings, the the students uh, drowned him out and the disruption shut down the event. So these two professors who, who penned this, Article said that it is profoundly disturbing that some students assert a right to determine what messages are acceptable on a campus and try to deprive others within the community of their right to invite or listen to speakers of their choice. If such a heckler's veto is allowed... The only speech that occurs will be that which no one cares enough about to shout down. If the Hastings protesters believe that they are entitled to drown out speakers invited by the Federalist Society, then they must accept that nothing prevents Federalist Society members from drowning out speakers that they support. Before too long, no one will be able to hold any events worth attending. It's such a A good point. Yeah. In public parks, nothing stops opposing parties from shouting at each other until no one can be heard. But this is never tolerable at colleges when members of the campus community have organized events for the purpose of hearing particular points of view. Colleges and universities must be clear and emphatic that attempting to shut down such events will not be tolerated and... Those engaging in it face disciplinary action. Very, very good comments, but it doesn't seem to be taking a hold. This administrator that was that was at this event that talked to these students forever, and, and I'll, I'll, we'll share the link to this video so you can see it. It's it's very long, and she just goes on and on and on. It's very annoying, but she basically says, "Hey, these kids are right to do what they're doing," and. Like, is it even worth it for you to be here because you're tearing at the fabric of this university and, you know, you're, you're causing harm to these children, this, that, and the other, and she's upholding these children and their, and their, uh, ridiculous behavior. Um, Stanford ended up apologizing and I put apologizing in quotes here, uh, to this, per, to this judge, um, for the way that the students behaved. But then they said, um, that students at Stanford who were affected by the protests, or who set up this event and had these protesters shut it down should reach out to the administrator that that was talking at, <laughs> at this at this place. So they say yeah, you should reach out to this administrator for for assistance and guidance. It's like they don't really mean their apology at all. They don't really give a fuck. No. But like like this is Stanford for Christ's sake. I mean, this is supposed to be the beacon of education, the highest standard of education. What it means to be the top of the top. If you go to Stanford law, that's supposed to mean something. That's supposed to have a a very big pedigree behind it. Now, if somebody tells me that they graduated from Stanford law in 2023, this is what I'm going to think of. And I'm going to think that you are a underdeveloped child who's been coddled and certainly shouldn't be uh, practicing law
1: at the United States. Yeah. I mean, its we've talked about it before. It's like seeping more and more and more into the curriculums in all schools but then you know once it seems like once you get to college age it's like very much so in the classroom very debated it's 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 political it's 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 got a slant to the message that they're teaching and like you're saying that over time is going to discredit these these great prestigious universities if if they're going to you know take a side and and you know be a a CNN or a Fox and like you're that you're that school like mm-hmm. people like that's not what these institutions are for. Like these events should happen. And if people disagree with what this dude's saying, they should be able to say so, but there should be like a, a form, like a Q and a period. You talk, I talk like, this is a conversation. It's not this dude goes to a college campus and gets like made a fool of and berated and all this shit. Like that is, that's doing nothing. That's just like a social media clip. And then apparently this lady gets up on her soapbox and is all grandiose and like taking the high road and, and all these other things. It's just like what that seems like an agenda behind that more so than like an actual creative or or productive discussion.
0: Yeah. Well, and you say it can affect these institutions. It has affected these institutions and the reputation of them. Last year, Stanford University administrators published an index of forbidden words to be eliminated from the school's websites and computer code hmm. and provided inclusive replacements to help re-educate. The benighted. Call yourself an American, please don't. Better to say U.S. citizen for the bystanders. Immigrant is also out uh replaced with person who has been immigrated (laughs) you can't master your subject at stanford anymore uh the school instructs that historically masters enslaved people and don't dare design a blind study which unintentionally perpetrates the disability that somehow abnormal or negative furthering an ableist culture so it's not a blind study anymore it's a masked study which i think is offensive to the masked gangbusters is banned because the index says it invokes the notion of police action against gangs in a positive light, which may have racial undertones. Not to beat a dead horse, a phrase that the index says normalizes violence against animals. But you used to have to get a graduate degree in the humanities to write something that's stu- stupid. <laughs> so, yeah, man, it's like it's 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 everywhere. In September 2021, uh, the Stanford campus opened for the first time since the pandemic began and students wore masks on bicycles at twice the rate that they wore
1: helmets.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can't make this shit up, dude. dude. It's absolutely ridiculous. Let's see here. They they tried to uh, withhold a student from getting their degree because they didn't get the booster shot. That's awesome. Somebody made fun of masks. And a Stanford medical professor tried to have them expelled for such a crime. They're like aggressively cutting the enrollment of white students, which is ridiculous. 40% drop uh, of white students from the class of 2026
1: to the class of 2016. 40% drop uh, are of you, white Like students. that's just like an affirmative action, like trying to be more yes. inclusive kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Okay. 100%. Okay. Don't know if I'm like totally against that number falling, like just to like let other people in some communities that may have been not as well educated traditionally like being able to go to somewhere like a Stanford or Harvard law school like that's not that's not the worst thing shouldn't it all just be white rich people coming out
0: doesn't that just deplete the the reputation more if you're not if you're not a completely merit based
1: process i guess yeah but like that just means that like traditionally white people that have pretty much probably had the advantage statistically throughout all of their education like they're going to continue to have that advantage and then continue to dominate everything whereas if you let other Communities come into this. Maybe the real problem is starting farther back in the education system, so that more people are to the level of what these people are when they get to applying for Stanford and Harvard and all these places. But yeah, you know, I suppose.
0: But also, they're they're doing the same thing to, to Asian enrollments in in Harvard, okay, which is like ridiculous.
1: Yeah, because uh-huh.
0: what you are doing is you are you are vilifying the culture that has brought up their children to succeed scholarly, and you are saying, okay, yeah, thanks for your contributions and for trying to make your children the best that they possibly could be, but they're not the, the right color for what we need here.
1: Yes. They can go succeed elsewhere though. If they're that scholarly and that advanced, like people that maybe didn't get all the advantages that they perhaps had in their entire educational experience, like shouldn't just be fucked be- because of that. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, it's probably something to attack earlier in the education system than when they're going to college. But like if this is a way to try to level that playing field, so that everybody in the profession isn't a white male, I can see how that's beneficial, like in a way.
0: I suppose, but it, the same argument goes for anybody else. If you didn't, if you didn't get into Stanford, Harvard, Yale, whatever, then go succeed elsewhere. We are a prestigious university, and we only accept the best. And if you happen to be white, then you're white. If you happen to be black, then you're black. That is irrelevant to our to our decision process here, and especially if you're. If your focus is to is to remove white enrollment, I mean that is the explicit focus here. Mm-hmm. Too many white people. So forty percent drop in white people from just ten years ago. That to me seems as racist as any other any other action out there. They say you can't be racist against white people though, which I disagree with. Yeah, well, but this is obviously true. <laughs> Disagree, but also the Stanford president has been accused of falsifying research data when he was a pharmaceutical uh, scientist and executive. But I mean, like, okay. So here is a list of some folks who went to Stanford, some alumni: the founder of WhatsApp, the founder of Google, the founder of Netflix, the founder of YouTube, the founder of Firefox, the founder, the CTO of Facebook, the inventor of Microsoft Word, the co-founder of Instagram. I reckon, I reckon that this list shrinks considerably from pretty much like 2018 onwards. And the folks who graduated from Stanford do not get the education that they, that, granted this is from their computer science department. So who knows, maybe that one is still humming and still really good. But uh, I have a sneaky suspicion that the graduates of these universities are far less equipped for the challenges of the real world and will suffer greatly because of their education at these schools that are primarily
1: based on equity inclusion and diversity. The test of time will tell us, man. Quick, before we get out of here, I saw a story coming out of your state that I definitely wanted to bring up, get your opinion oh, on. Boy. A new bill has been introduced into California state legislature that would ban, eventually ban all tobacco sales in your state. Mm. I see this, I see. The idea is that uh, the legislation is going to make it illegal to sell cigarettes and other tobacco products to anyone that was born after January 1st, 2007. So if this gets signed into law, the idea would be that like by 2073 ish, that area, most of those people would probably be dead. And at that point, you couldn't smoke cigarettes anymore in, in the state. It, you know, it's, it's a welfare thing. They're saying kids are getting addicted to cigarettes, tobacco, all this stuff too early. That starts you know, a snowball effect that they, addic- they stay addicted the rest of their life obviously this is going to get very very strong pushback from tobacco companies cuz it's wild but like what i'm seeing here and i mean it doesn't surprise me coming out of your state but like government trying to dictate the everyday lives of people and now it's coming down to choices of what can you put into your body oh yeah i just think it's it's ridiculous like obviously cigarettes are bad but so many things are bad alcohol's bad <laughs> like rock climbing can be bad like so many things can be bad but like they're all risks that we all take as just like hopefully somewhat educated Americans, people, whatever. Uh, And and I I don't think that those choices should be taken away from you on on a personal level ever, especially by government. So I I just, this is wild. I didn't know if you'd heard anything about it locally and what people are saying.
0: No, I had. And it it comes uh, on the heels of uh, San Diego County trying to approve the expansion of 30 more marijuana dispensaries in the county. And And they're favoring convicted felons for owning these weed shops. Strange. So you have a leg up if you're a criminal to open up a weed shop in San Diego. Now, I'm not against anybody wanting to do whatever they want. San Diego does not need, need any more marijuana dispensaries. We have plenty. Why we need 30 more is ridiculous to me. And... You're at the same time trying to ban tobacco.
1: Yeah, it's the most ridiculous shit I've ever heard in my life. And they have said that marijuana will not be included in this legislation. Yeah, but it, I know. I see what you're of saying. Of course, yeah, it I won't. See what you're saying.
0: And I, I don't care. Nobody could tell me that smoking weed is better
1: for your lungs than 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 smoking cigarettes. You're still inhaling smoke. It, no, there's more carcinogens in tobacco. That that like the tar. You're still inhaling. smoke. You are inhaling smoke, but it is healthier for you. It, uh, it you, can edibles, you can take edibles.
0: You could do whatever you want, but you can't tell me that vaping. Freaking wax into your lungs is going to help.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to see the data on that in 20, 30 years. I fucking totally agree, bro. I stay so far away from all of that shit. I do not trust those things.
0: But but you know what i Like saying? Like, but but it, it's the same principle. I don't give a fuck if you want to go smoke two packs of cigarettes a day. You understand the risks. Yeah, right. You're an adult. Mm-hmm. Do what the fuck you want. And I don't want to hear that you're protecting children when you want to expand on the availability of marijuana in the state of California where it's already so prevalent. Like You know me, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a weed hawk. I don't want to, you know, I don't, I I don't think it's a bad thing that, that marijuana is legal in in California, but it's a terrible message to send to everybody that you want to ban tobacco, tobacco, bad marijuana, good. Mm -hmm. What message does that send to children? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, no, it's ridiculous, man. It's it's, but it's just so California.
1: Yeah. Yeah, It's (laughs) the most
0: ass backward state that ever existed.
1: (laughs) Oh man. But yeah, saw that I wanted to bring it up, but you have anything else for us before we got out of here? I'm sure I did, but that's okay. We are at time. This was a fun episode. It was. I, I want to shout it. out all the people on Facebook that tuned in, man. We had Ooh, people hello. watching this entire time and talking to us, saying hi. Um, I think we're going to start doing this more. I had a little poll on here and 100% said yes we should live stream all episodes. Thank you for tuning in for giving in some opinions and stuff like this. Like as we do this more, you know, if you got talking points, some things you want me to bring up on here, us to bring up on here, we will. Uh, I think we should do it more though, Frank. It's we got some good engagement right here.
0: It twas, fine. Twas, uh, twas, I, I didn't know anybody was watching. So thank you for tuning in. All, all that's kinds uh, of people. a pleasant story. Even surprise. your
1: beloved was, was, uh, popped in for a little while. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she said, uh, You're on the couch this week, but that's a whole different thing. That's my choice. <laughs> that's my, I'm a man. <laughs> Uh, in the meantime, if you guys want to find us, shoot us any kind of thing, shoot us an email over to bummerdude.media at gmail.com. You can also find us on a myriad of social networks, uh, including Twitter at FriendshipNH. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at FriendshipNewsHour, um, and apparently on live streams now. We did YouTube and Facebook today, and maybe we can just keep that growing. So find us. We're out there. We've got news, and we've got friendship. That is two things that we try to specialize in. So.
0: You betcha. I uh, appreciate listening. We'll see you next time.